This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Check it out now. Uh. No doubt now. Uh. It's the Beating the Book yeah. podcast, Gil Alexander, as now. promised. This is a show that actually has content from a couple weeks back, yeah. Yeah. but it could be applicable. That is, if the MLB season never resumes. It's fantasy talk. I know a lot of folks are having their fantasy draft this week, despite the impact of coronavirus. This is Paul Spore from Fangraphs. We do it each and every year. His list of overvalued starting pitchers, undervalued starting pitchers, and some of his thoughts on some betting props as well, including Garrett Cole-related ones, New York Yankees, AL and NL Rookie of the Year. Even have a trivia question in there as well. Paul Spore, fantasy baseball, primarily on today's Beating the Book podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. Oh, we get tweets at Beating the Book. Always appreciate the feedback on everything. Uh, that Pepsi guy. I'd love to sit down and listen to what the value is around a win total in MLB. I know it'll never be a topic over the radio because it'll lose most. But if I could ever sit down with Gil or Roxy, I would most certainly bring this up. Let's talk numbers. Hashtag always taking notes. Uh, thank you. First of all, let me just say I don't deserve to be coupled with Roxy. Anybody should be able to hang out with Roxy. That is That would be fabulous. What that refers to is we did on Twitter yesterday, for anybody who's interested, and we won't do it on the radio because it's too wonky, but anybody interested in discussion about the value of a, a win in a baseball season, win total, Roxy answered it his way, I answered it mine, um, with a, a shout to uh, Joe Pita helping out. So interesting discussion, but that's online there. So thank you for that, uh, that Pepsi guy. Uncle Scratchoff, how did Warren lose Massachusetts and Bernie not get California big? The, the thing about Warren, Massachusetts, let me just say this. I would, for all my Biden bets that won, I would not have thought for one second to have bet Biden, Massachusetts. Like, there was no, he was like the third shot. He was like plus 1,200 or something like that. He had no, didn't even go to the state. There were so many states that he conceded that he ended up winning. It's just unbelievable. And by the way, uh, Michael Bloomberg, as you said, uh, suspending his uh, candidacy and endorsing Joe Biden. Tulsi Gabbard not suspending her candidacy yet. Just, just want to throw that out there. Uh, this is Lido75. I tried that Predict It yesterday for Super Tuesday after you had them on. Pretty cool site. Was entertaining. Made a few bucks. Was like day trading, basically. Thanks for opening my eyes to a new market to bet on. You're the best. Love the show. Keep it going. Thank you, Lido75. And good shout out to uh, Predict It right there. Uh, this is Chris G. Hey, Gil, thanks for steering me towards the political market. I had no idea it existed. Made a killing on Biden last night. Do you know how long the typical book takes to grade these political bets? That's a great question. Um, it does not, obviously, as you're noticing, it, it is not an immediate thing. They want to be super sure that these things get ratified. And as you know, you know, voting inconsistencies and all kinds of voting shenanigans happen. So they take their time. Um, but I would imagine with some of the ones that were obvious yesterday, you should get those graded. Not so sure about, say, a Texas, uh, which might take a little while longer because there were some issues there yesterday. 
Um, so lots of tweets. We appreciate it all. Here's uh, Tim Thompson, and I'll Ron Burgundy my way through this one. If you go back to the offseason leading up to the midseason San Francisco Jimmy G trade, Lynch asked if Brady was available. Yes, he did. So the interest has been there. Also, TB12 went to uh, Sarah High School in San Mateo. Thank you. Also, alma mater of Barry Bonds. Yes, not Menlo, San Mateo. Appreciate that. Both, though, Silicon Valley way, uh, for those familiar with the, uh, with the South Bay over there in the Bay Area. Now, a discussion that I've had for, I don't know, maybe nine, ten years in a row with this gentleman. He's the best in the business when it comes to so many things baseball, but especially starting pitchers where he had a starting pitcher guide when he was, oh, 14, 15 years old, I believe it was. Ladies and gentlemen from Fangraphs, it's Paul Spore. Good morning to you, Paulie. Morning, Gil. How's it going? Weren't you like 14 or 15 when you first started that thing? No, I was not. I was not that young. I might have looked that young. I'm 38, Gil. <laughs> 30. I'm, it's so hard I'm for me to think of currently. you as 38, man, uh, because it's been I so know. long. All right. So, Paul, this is what we do. And this is for this works out great for both a betting audience and for, of course, the main thing is for a fantasy audience. But there's so many betting implications because it's starting pitchers. So we just do overvalued and undervalued. You have them on a tier system, first of all, but then we should stress, I guess the first thing we should stress here is, you correct me if I'm wrong, that even though you might think someone is overrated, that doesn't mean you think they suck. And even though you think someone is underrated, doesn't mean you think they're the greatest thing that's ever existed, just based on draft position, right? Average draft position. It's all about about price, right? I mean, it's the same thing in the handicapping market. You don't have to like a team, but there's a certain price where you're going to get in on that team. Uh, it's the same thing with, with fantasy baseball players. You never want to write a guy off. I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't say never there's injury factors, but you know, a healthy capable player, they all have a certain price. So yeah, you, it, it all depends on what they're going for. Okay. So we're going to have two things going on at the same time. I just don't want to confuse people who happen to be watching us at visa.com and the visa app, but on the screen, we'll have Paul's group, uh, the tiers that he has. And there's about 12 groups of starting pitchers. He rate, he rates all of these in major league baseball. So his tier one are the greatest pitchers in baseball tier two next tier three, so on and so forth based on his numbers. But the ones that he'll mention here today are the ones where he really feels are over and undervalued. Do you want to start with the, uh, let's start with undervalued Paul. Let's go there. Okay. Let, let's do that. Um, and so we'll start at the top with my, my high guy. I've got uh, Frankie Montas all the way up at 20th and he's going around 28th to 30th starter off the board in the market I'm using is the NFBC, the national fantasy baseball championship, a very well-regarded market. That's uh, put in a lot of drafts. So there's a lot of uh, data out there and they're all money leagues. So there's something on the line. Mock draft data is valuable, but um, there's, there's definitely that extra bit when, when it's leagues with, with an entry fee there, because, you know, people are, uh, have skin in the game, if you will, as my, as my, my buddy, Chris list likes to say. So that's what we're going off of here. Uh, when comparing to my rankings, so an eight spot difference doesn't seem to be that much, but when you get at the high end of the level, yeah. that can be a big deal. You know, the way we're starting to talk about, I really value Frankie Montas as a premium pitcher. Uh, if it's top 20, we're talking premium. I really believe in what he did last year. I know he had the PED suspension PEDs. Last I checked, don't give you a devastating splitter. They, they, <laughs> they, they just do, don't. They do not. It's not really not a characteristic. Found the PED. Yeah. yeah. Not found the PED that gives you that. It, they can help with velocity, but he's always had velocity. So I don't even believe that that was part of it. Um, and the simple fact is I don't really care about PEDs. I mean, if they get caught, serve the suspension. I'm not saying they shouldn't get in trouble if they break the rules, but I don't care about them going forward. In fact, a lot of guys kind of have a lasting effect with them. A lot of guys have returned and, and kind of carried on whatever effects they might have gotten. But he was excellent in those 96 innings, including a nice six-inning start to finish the season. He did return for one last start, Montas did, to end the season with Oakland, but he couldn't play in the playoffs because of the suspension. But now he has three reliable pitches with fastball, slider, splitter, and premium velocity, a lot of swing and miss. Um, he's really evolved nicely over the last five years where he came out as a fireballer who could strike anybody out, but couldn't do anything else. Then he really committed to controlling the ball and, and, and cutting down his walks, but everything else kind of suffered. His strikeout rate really plummeted. He became a bit too hittable. It was really showing the difference between command and control this past year. He had the command and control and everything was really working. The only thing that stunted the breakout was the suspension. I think this year we get a full 
180-plus inning breakout out of Frankie Montas. Yeah, and 2.63 ERA, very nicely uh, sort of confirmed, if you will, by a 3.00 field, uh, 3.00 fielding independent, 3.47 xVIP. Uh, his K rate was 26.1%. His walk rate was low, 5.8%. Swinging strike rate, uh, also pretty nice, 11.5%. Not uh, elite, but not bad, I guess. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot to like, basically. Absolutely, and there's a 1.7 ground ball to fly ball ratio uh, for Frankie Montas as well, with an elite defense behind him, especially after the emergence of Marcus Simeon over the last couple of years to go with Matt Chapman, arguably the best defender in baseball. Only Nolan Arenado really has a case. To, or maybe Anderson Simmons. I don't want to. I don't want to leave him out. But you're talking one of the top uh, three, four as far as Chapman goes, and Matt Olson. Very underrated over at, at first base. Second base, uh, we don't know exactly who's going to be there yet with Kemp, Barreto, Mateo kind of playing that out. But even if they're mediocre to bad, you still have three of the four as premium guys. So they're going to turn a lot of those ground balls into surefire out. Yeah, I'm very. So I really in- like Frankie Montas. Very interested to see how the betting market is going to price Montas out of the gate here uh, when the season starts. All right, number two, undervalued. Who you Next like? up, Max Freed of the Atlanta Braves. Now, this is a guy who was a big time prospect kind of started to fade off of that prospect uh, of that prospect sheen a little bit. It really wasn't working out the way uh, folks had planned. You know, he did some decent things in 2018, mostly out of the bullpen. It was a tiny sample though. And it was just like, what do we really got here? But it was only 25 going into last year. So no one should have fully written him off. Uh, I, I will admit though, that I had kind of moved on. I was like, ah, you know, I, I liked him as a prospect. I'm kind of moving on. I bought back in when he added the slider. That's what really did it for me because to that point, he was basically a two pitch guy. He barely even had a show me change up. It was fastball curveball. So I was like two pitch guy who's really kind of struggled to uh, limit walks. He did show a little strikeout upside in 18, but last year, a lot of stuff changed and it was because of that slider being incorporated. It made the other pitches better. And I'm really excited to see what he can do this year. The one thing he needs to do, Max Freed, is start limiting the hits. He's carried a lot of high BABIPs, and at this point throughout his career, I'm starting to believe that uh, he plays a role into that. Pitchers and hitters can have effect on their own BABIP that doesn't automatically go to 300 for everybody. So I think there's a little bit of something there where he's a little bit too hittable at times. I'm hoping that you know, messing with the slider this past year, but now incorporating it in 2020 fully as a, as a third weapon uh, helps him cut into his hit rate and thus bring down the BABIP. He doesn't walk guys. Uh, he had a 7% rate last year, amplified the strikeout rate uh, 25% over a full season. He had 31% the year before, but that was over 33 innings. So I don't put as much stock into that. When I see a 25% rate for a full year out of Max Freed, that impresses me. So I think there could be a big, big step here. I'm talking something in the in the low threes uh, with a 120 something whip, uh, maybe even lower, depending on how much he can cut into that hit rate. But three pitches now, 26 year old lefty, throws pretty hard, lots to like there with Max Fried. And lo- I've got him. Uh, I've got him ranked 25th with 37th starter off the board in the market right now. I love the thinking on Freed too, because what you said is very interesting. You know, the BABIP was 336 last year, but it's not like he hasn't had the high, unfortunate BABIPs before. You wonder at some point, is it him? By the way, same thing with the home run to fly ball rate, right, on Freed. Mm-hmm. 20.2% last year. It was 20% the year before. So at some point, and we're not saying that point has come yet, but it is worth looking at with, with Freed where you're like, well, I think this stuff should probably come back down to earth to his benefit, but I don't know. We, we shall see. You exactly. Know? Yeah, exactly. And it's something to keep an eye on, but it, it, it's where the growth can come from because those are some factors that are generally uh, put into the, the variability or luck bucket. I don't like to use the, the luck too much on that. Sometimes that gets thrown around a little bit uh, more often than it should. Like, Oh, he's been unlucky. Not necessarily. We don't know that yet. Maybe it is on him. And then this pick ends up becoming a little bit of a bust or he's figuring some things out. He's still just 20, going into this year. He only has 225 major league innings under his belt. So he's still kind of learning this year could be a big jump year for him where he cuts both the BABIP and the homer fly ball. And like I said, has a big breakout season. So I'm excited about Max Freed for sure. All right. Montas Freed. Who's next on the undervalued? 
Next up is Jake Odorizzi, and I'll make this one pretty quick because he already broke out last year. And I think I'm, I'm pretty surprised by the fact that a lot of people don't seem to believe it. I've got him 34th. The market has him 51st. And I, I kind of have an idea of what most people are thinking because a few of my colleagues have thrown this at me at various times discussing it with them on the podcast uh, until I kind of, uh, you know, give them the 411 on it. Basically, the idea is that he had an amazing start and then kind of faded. Uh, Odorizzi had a 192 ERA through his first 13 starts last year. Absolutely brilliant. Got an all-star bid, all of that. He had a 477 the rest of the year, right? So, oh, wow. You know, he got a great start and then faded. It, that's very misleading, though, because you're grouping all those starts together when really it was only a seven-start run where he had a 799 ERA. Yeah. And even that was really three awful starts three mediocre ones, and even one good one at Cleveland in, in that mix there, including a nine earned run outing against the Yankees of all teams. Now, I'm not saying none of that doesn't count. It all counts, but it's a seven start can find run as opposed to his final 17 starts. If you then take the 10 after the nine earned at the Yank, or, um, home against the Yankees, he had a 289. So he was great for 13, bad for seven, great for 10. Um, they know how to use this guy too. They realized in Minnesota, this guy does not need to go the third time through the order. It's just not something that he can do more often than not. He's a five and dive, maybe six innings on, on some of his good days, but just limit him and you can maximize him. Less is more as the old cliche goes. And that's definitely the case with Jake Odorizzi. And I think he's going to put up a year very similar to what he did in 19. So I'm very much buying back in on this while others are expecting a big regression that I just don't see. Game logs are so important with starting pitchers because you're so right. A lot Thank of these you. guys, yeah, it's just if you look at the game log, you're like, oh, well, that doesn't, you know, it just looks like he had just a couple implosions or a few in, in this case, three really big ones for Odorizzi. Um, and we've seen examples of that, you and I, and, and everybody's followed baseball and Fangrass for years and years where guys are generally good, but then there's the, you know, the implosion that just alters all the numbers. So again, by the way, these are the undervalued pitchers. We had it wrong on the screen at visa.com. These are the undervalued guys, Frankie Montas, Max Fried, Jake Odorizzi. Give me a couple more here. So then we've got Joe Musgrove. This is the guy I was big on last year. I'm really just not deterred by last year, kind of not really coming through. He was still pretty good. He added innings. He was still a whip asset. The ERA was still a little bit high, up over four. But I still fully believe in Joe Musgrove, and I still think there's a big breakout there. So, again, I don't want to belabor this one as, as we've gone longer on, on a couple of the others. I just really love this guy. He's going to be 27. I still think he's kind of rounding into – form and coming into his own. I still think there's that, that mid to low threes ERA season to go with the quality whips. He's already put up and their strikeout upside with Joe Musgrove too. He's still kind of figuring everything out. I'm excited to see a new regime in Pittsburgh too. I was never really a big fan of Ray Searage. And I think the game kind of passed him by a little bit with all the two seamer uh, ground ball stuff that he was looking at. I think more high fastballs and maximizing the arsenal that Joe Musgrove has could yield a big strikeout total, too. All right, we'll, we'll put Musgrove in there. Should we call Montas, Freed, Odorisi, and Musgrove the main events, and then the rest here are honorable mentions? Uh, yeah, well, I do want to hype Aaron Savali real quick. Yeah, let's do him one more. Yeah. Um, they, they've, been, they've been going off with pitchers. like they, they become kind of a pitcher factory. And what I've been saying, my tagline for him is that I don't think he's quite Shane Bieber, but he's definitely better than like the Adam Plutko, Josh Tomlin. So he's like, you know, he's a, he's a couple cuts above those type of guys that they've been developing, but maybe not quite to the Beaver level yet. He's got a full arsenal. Um, he, he missed a lot of bats in the minors too. We didn't quite see that at the major league level last year, but I really like what he's able to do. Home run suppression has been a big part of his game as well. So if I, if I'm ranking it, Montas, Freed, Odorizzi are definitely the main event. Savali right there. Musgrove is, is a returner. And then two quick lottery tickets that I'm not even going to give much on because I don't love them. I just like them more than the market. Jeff Samarja and Homer Bailey, I got them at 70 and 71. The market has them at 99 and 123. I, I think that's just biased toward crusty old vets. And they're not even that <laughs> old. But it's, it's just that, that, that fantasy has always been ageist. And uh, guys that are kind of boringly solid – 
the market just sours on them. They want to take the, the shiny new toys. And to a degree, I get that. But you can't have only shiny new toys at the back end of your rotation. You have to get some stabilizers. I think Bailey's going to be good in Minnesota. Uh, he was really good with Oakland after his first couple starts. And then Samarja returned pretty nicely last year. At the very least, you can use him in, against all, uh, all of his home starts because of San Francisco's ballpark. So I like those two as lottery tickets late. Yeah, Homer Bailey, good with the A's. Samarja, a bit more of an evil Knievel one from you. But yeah, I understand the, yeah. uh, the thinking for sure. So uh, the main events there, Montas Freed, Odorizzi, uh, Savali and Musgrove right after that, and then uh, the long shots, Samarja and Bailey on the underrated starting pitchers. And again, from a betting standpoint, uh, this will be fascinating to see how those guys are priced. Um, because someone like Montas, uh, Freed might be a different story. I think he'll be priced accordingly. But someone like Montas and Odorisi and really all the other names you gave, I think you probably get favorable prices on those in the betting markets from a day-to-day standpoint, at least early in the season. We'll come back with Paulie. We'll do the overvalued. Paul Sporer, who can be followed on Twitter, at Sporer. And, of course, the podcast is the sleeper and the bust podcast. Best deep dive into baseball you could ever hope to listen to. We'll come back. We'll do overvalued with Paul next on a numbers game at Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Keep it right here for more of a numbers game with Gil Alexander. Don't forget to sign up for a Visa subscription designed to make sure you're ready for basketball tournament action. Do you do pools or any kind of brackets, uh, any sort of... You know, uh, I, I'll call them the general office pools for NCAA's ball. Absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. I I, uh, I stream on Twitch, uh, Twitch.tv slash four, um, and we are we'll be having we'll be having a March Madness for sure. And uh, one of my buddies from when I worked at Dell always runs great pools for stuff, whether it's Super Bowl squares or March Madness pools, and I get in on that as well. In, in this particular case, th- these days. I know literally nothing about the NCAA. So, and I still am going to do a bracket because it's that fun. I mean, I I have general ideas and I know where to go study and cram a little bit. I'm always going to put a 12 over a five on there because there's usually going to be one that wins. So absolutely. As much as I love baseball, there's still few things that match or top the first weekend of the tournament. It's so true. By the way, you were two things before they were cool. You were Corey Kluber before Corey Kluber was cool. And you were Twitch before Twitch was cool as well. Like you're, you're ahead of the the curve on so much. All right, let's race through these. These are the overvalued. And I am, I am interested in this first one primarily. What's the first one? Jack Flaherty. Okay. So now I just recently released those top seven, 175 pitchers that I pointed you to yesterday on February 28th, very fresh rankings. He moved up. I actually had him a decent bit lower, but uh, some attrition and some further off-season study, I moved him up a little bit. I was, I think I was underrating his 2018 a little bit, pretending that it was just a half season that people were going off of uh, from last year and boosting him up. That said, I do still think there's some helium from that half season, which is, it was great. But it's it's not super meaningful to me in that it's unsustainable. And I would say that if it was Jack Flaherty, if it was my favorite pitcher ever, Justin Verlander, if it was Max Scherzer, a .91 ERA and .72 WHIP, it's just it, it, it's the best you can pitch ever. So it doesn't mean a lot to me. Now I don't think he's a .464 ERA the way he was in the first half. But I, I just I want to be careful to not overrate that, and I think he is being overrated a bit. I have him twelve. The market has them sixth, so that's a big jump for me. And I'm just pulling back a little bit. I think he's more of his 2018 334 ERA 111, which is still very good with a boatload of strikeouts. I don't quite see sixth right now, and so I'm just not paying full freight on Jack Flaherty. Yeah, 242 BABIP, 83.3% uh, brand rate. You know, you don't usually sustain both of those good fortune things as well. No. So, yeah throw that in the mix as well. All right. Who's number two overvalued. This one was easy. It's Trevor Bauer. Uh, I knew the market would still be very high on right-handed Robbie Ray with more innings. Uh, to be fair, he's, he's, he's a higher volume right-handed Robbie Ray, but go look at their careers and, and I mean, tell me where the lie is. Cause it's just not there. They both have one great season with a sub three ERA. That was awesome. They get a boatload of strikeouts. They walk the world. Um, and, and they're madly, uh, infuriating. I imagine in both handicapping and fantasy. And so until I see something else to really buy in on Bauer for, I'm not paying 
the 24th starter. I'm not giving him a top 25 average draft position. I've got him 31st. I moved him up a little bit, uh, again, due to some attrition and the fact that the strikeouts are still valuable, but I'm just not, I'm just not a big fan of what he does. And a lot of my colleagues even have him higher pushing him up near, near the 20 mark. And so again, I just, it's been one good season and it was a great season and he has a lot of talent, but he over tinkers and he did exactly what I worried about last year, which was tinker himself out of success. So true. His 2018 was just as stellar as could be uh, 2.21 ERA, 2.44 fielding independent. And then he tinkers. He tinkered when he was like a young kid in Arizona, like wouldn't take coaching. Mm -hmm. He was just like, let me tinker this uh, my way. Don't anybody tell me anything. Um, I like that pick, actually. That's way overdrafted, it seems to me. All right, number three, you're going back to Oakland, I think. Yes, Sean Manaya. And this is one of those where it's like I'm cautious. I have him 61st versus 53 in the market. I like him. But I, I think, again, the, the, the markup has come off of a tiny sample that I don't find to be very sustainable at all. Um, he had 29 and two-thirds last year. He spiked the strikeout rate big time without his swinging strike rate really going up in concert with that. He had an insane 194 BABIP <laughs> yeah. and an even more insane 100% strand rate, he which obviously is not going to last. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that the market is, is believing that he's going to throw a 121 ERA or else he'd be like the fifth pitcher off the board. But I do think he's been a little bit overrated there. He's not a big strikeout guy. Um, health has been a concern throughout his entire career, including last year. That's why he only pitched 29 two thirds. So I'm just playing it a bit more cautiously than the draft market right now. And as much as I do like Manaya as a pitcher, I, I got to back off on him a bit. All right, so Flaherty, Bauer, and Manaya, and you're right. The, I mean, the two full seasons of Manaya were, you know, fours really, right? Like average pitcher, yeah, kind of thing. Um, so I, I can get with that one. So Flaherty, Bauer, and Manaya topping the overvalued. I got to sneak in one break here, Paul. If you would hang out just for one more, and we'll get the other three sure. overvalued from you because I know you have a bit of a. Well, I don't call them longer shots, but uh, let's put it this way. They're not in the top group of overvalued. Got to give a few more names. We'll come back. We'll get that from Paulie next. Fantasy betting, starting pitches with Paul Spore right here on a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back to a numbers game with Gil Alexander. Again, we'll be so fascinating to see how these starting pitchers, both to the good and the bad, are priced in the betting market and uh, see if we can't exploit that early in the season. Of course, not everything manifests game one. But we'll be interesting to see. All right, so back with Paul Sporer, we have uh, Jack Flaherty, Trevor Bauer, Sean Manaya as three on the overvalued list based on their uh, average draft position. How Paul assessed them. Give us three more that are a little more on the outside. By the way, I think the Bauer and Flaherty could be really played up. Um, I do too in the betting market as yeah. well. So those those are the ones I'd be really eyeing in the betting market. Uh, three others: Denelson Lamette, a guy that. Um, I, I want to like, I just can't get where my, where my colleagues and the market is right now. I've got them 51st. The market has them at 36 and they're falling in love with that strikeout rate, which is, which is legit. The strikeouts are legit, but he's a two pitch guy who struggles greatly against lefties, uh, walks the yard, has a home run <laughs> issue. I'm just not understanding where we're going here with a top 36 uh, starting pitcher pick here. I'm not even as worried about the fact that he only threw 73 innings last year. Um, and has only has not thrown more than 114 as a major leaguer. I can I, I can see a world where he throws 175 to 180 this year as a 27 year old, but I just don't think it's going to be with anything better than like a four ERA and a 125 WHIP, aka what he's done in his career to this point, thus point uh, or thus far, I should say. Uh, so I'm just not in uh, where everybody else is. 51 for me, 36 for the market with the Nelson Lamette of the Padres. And then two deeper guys that I actually like these guys, but I was surprised to find that I'm way off on the market. Adrian Hauser is somebody that I just got done touting on my podcast as I love this guy. Quote unquote. I said, I guess I don't if I'm this <laughs> far off though, I have him 83 and uh, the market has him 65th and Brian Kenny, when he does their top 10 list, he always calls out the uh, himself and, and the, the co-hosts. Don't say you love a guy. If you have them, you know, off your list or, or ninth on your list. Uh, you know, you have to be consistent. So I can't really say I love Adrian Hauser unless I move him up right now, but I do like him. I'm intrigued by what he did last year. I think he could do more this year, but uh, I'm just way off compared to the market. 
And another guy, I don't love him quite as much as Hauser, but I'm intrigued by the overall talent is Josh James. I've got him 85. The market has him 68. There's a spot for him in Houston for sure. They, they've got openings. He's got the raw talent. Emphasis on raw, though. That's why I'm not necessarily going to change this one as much as I'm going to be open to changing the Hauser one because he is still very raw. And I'm worried that he's going to walk the yard constantly. I still worry that he is a reliever yeah. in starters clothing this year. But um, I, I would have considered myself somebody who likes him. But then to find out that I'm almost 20 spots off uh, surprised me for sure. Yeah, Lamette, just getting back to uh, Denelson Lamette, 33.6% K rate. But as you said, he walks the yard, 9.6% uh, walk rate last year. And as far as Josh James, yes, as a reliever primarily, one game started. But as a reliever, uh, I mean, wow, 37.6% K rate, 13.2% walk rate. And uh, so he is he is slated to start this year for the Astros? Right now, yes. Yeah. They've got Verlander, Grinky, McCullers, and then Urquidy, Jose Urquidy, and Josh James um, as the four five, especially with Brad Pe- Peacock getting hurt. Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. But anyway, that's how he's slated to start here uh, early in the season. Uh, all right, so those are the names. And on the uh, again, on the downside here, Flaherty, Bauer, Manaya, Lamette, Hauser, and James. Paul, always appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. At uh, Sporer, S-P-O-R-E-R on Twitter. Of course, uh, everything written at Fangraphs and the Sleeper and the Bust Podcast. How often do you do that now? We're going to be doing that three times a week. We might actually have a couple four-packs um, in the next couple weeks since it is draft season right now. And my co-host, uh, Justin Mason's off of his day job, so we're going to have some more time. In fact, we're going to be recording shortly after you and I hang up here today. Very nice. Paulie, always appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. Yo, thank you for having me on. Talk to you in the future. Paul Spohr. We will have him on uh, during the baseball season. And... Uh, we have we've done a lot of baseball here before the season starts. Do you like which of those names on the undervalued or the overvalued resonated with you the most? There, Jeff. Feels like everybody loves Frankie Montas. Everybody on this show has come. Everybody love loves Frankie Montas, yeah. and that scares me, of course, because right. we know how the unanimous uh, fun usually goes. I, that's the first, and again, it's not like Paul really slighted Jack Flaherty. He just said he's not going to be a top five pitcher in baseball, and it's still going to be a top. 15, which is still really darn good. But we saw this last year with Flaherty, where at least in the betting markets, he got really, really overvalued on that hot streak in the in the second half of the season. Granted, he won, I, I believe, uh, the Cardinals won 13 out of his last 15. But it was, uh, it was uh, I, that was one that stood out as well. Yeah, and again, that's the first thing I said was, don't take this to mean when he says overvalued that he thinks they suck just overvalued based on their average draft position in fantasy. But again, for us betters, it'd be very interesting to see Flaherty again with the very fortunate Babip uh, and uh, home run to fly ball rate. See where that goes with him this year. We'll come back. Let's talk a little baseball. He is from Fangraphs, ladies and gentlemen, and wherever baseball is sold. It's Paulie Spohr. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Gil. How's it going? I'm doing well. Paul, did you see the fight at all? Do you have any interest in boxing at all? I, I did, and... Um... I actually, I actually met Wilder last year. Did really you? nice guy. Yeah, yeah. I met met him at an MLB The Show event, and um, he smelled really good. I'm just gonna say it. He smelled really good. <laughs> what was it? A, I'm just, was, I'm just telling, like, was it a cologne? It was obvious. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was just, it was just a pervasive cologne. He right. smelled really good. His eardrum was intact too. Yes. Well, so that see, that was that, the thing. He had that working for him. You know, what was interesting. I don't know if you ever watched a boxing match with, uh, with girls who don't necessarily watch boxing on a full time basis. Not to, not to generalize, but at least in my case, fashion stylist Deborah Song, uh, she was watching alongside with me, and she points out things, not the cologne. Uh, but she points out things that perhaps a guy watching wouldn't for all of, you know, so Fury is sort of knock-kneed, right? He's the, you know, this massive, by the way, I stood next to Fury at the win. He's just a massive human being, but he's sort of knock-kneed. His legs look awkward. Wilder for his Adonis upper body, like his legs are toothpicks. These guys ever do leg work? It is the funniest right. thing to look at, but I didn't know he used a uh, solid cologne on top of that. Yeah, they, they just skip leg day. They're too busy shopping for good cologne. That's, that's what they're doing. All right, let's talk baseball. Paul, you were here last week. Uh, we went through a whole bunch of stuff. MVPs. We went through, I think, the, the most interesting prop markets, the wild cards that are available at the Westgate. Let's talk rookies of the year. I don't believe these have been out for a long time. 
Um, someone will correct me if I'm wrong about that. But let's start in the American League. And, uh, well, actually, Casey Mize at 4-1. to one. I thought he was the short shot, but I'm seeing that that's not the case now. How about that? Um, what do you think here? Casey Mize, now the reason I bring up Casey Mize is because I bet Casey Mize, Jason Weingartner, buddy, uh, was like, let's all bet Casey Mize 200-1 to one last year when he came out. Casey Mize never ended up getting called up by your Detroit Tigers. But as you look mm-hmm. at this market... Any names you're, you're no one is locked in as you are to these things. Any names that leap off the page American League? Well, I got to be honest. I'm really surprised that uh, Luis Robert isn't the short shot. That one really blows my mind because he's got that deal. He's got that contract that uh, is going to put him on the opening day roster from day one. I mean, barring something crazy. So I would think that he would be the obvious uh, guy there. So. I probably wouldn't bet him because of that, just because I, if I'm going to do one of these, I'm going to go a little bit uh, longer on the odds just to try to spike something. But yeah, both Kopech at plus 300 and Mize at plus 400 are higher than Robert at plus 700. So there actually is a little bit of equity with uh, with Lou Bob, as they call him, which is a great nickname for Luis Robert. <laughs> yeah. Lou- I'd be looking at... Uh, Go, on, go ahead. No, this is Lou Bob at seven to one for those who aren't watching at Vison Live or at uh, Vison.com or the Vison app. Seven to one on Lou Bob for the uh, Chicago White Sox. What else were you looking at? I'd be looking at both the, both of the A's pitchers, uh, Jesus Lozardo at ten to one, and uh, AJ Puck at at four to one, forty to one. I really, really like Puck a lot, and the fact that he's that much further up than Lozardo. Um, I, I would probably take the shot on him just because uh, his odds, Puck's odds are so much better. Uh, you know, neither, listen, they came out and said neither's going to have uh, a, a fixed innings limit. That doesn't mean that they're going 200 innings. That just means that they're, they, um, that the A's are smartly not anchoring themselves to a number that they can then have no flexibility from. Uh, I think this is a wise thing to do when you've got these young guys it doesn't make sense to throw out a number because then that's the only focus all years, you know, 120 innings. And then if you do want to go above it, uh, you're at risk of, of being blamed for something. If they get hurt, you know, say you anchor at 120, but they, you want to send them 140 because they can handle it. They're good. But then they get hurt. And it's like, well, you shouldn't have gone 20 innings over this number that you came up with, which is just random anyway. <laughs> so I like that they're coming out and they're not necessarily, um, anchoring themselves to a number with the innings limit. So I would go, I would go with uh, puck as an interesting long shot there. And then uh, it, it was, I still like Lazardo too, but I would go with puck with, with his odds being that much better. And then a sneaky one wh- whose odds I wish were a little bit better because of the team that he's on uh, is Nate Pearson. I really like Nate Pearson of the uh, blue Jays. He's 18 to one. I'm just intrigued by that blue Jays team. I'm uh, really intrigued by that offense, of course, that young offense that they've got going. But they put some interesting pitching together. I don't think Pearson will be up before May, maybe even June. But he's really interesting. I saw him at the Arizona Fall League a couple of years ago, throwing a legit 103 with a devastating slider. So he could be he could be pretty good, and I could see him making some noise for that too. He's at 18 to one, Nate Pearson. But yeah, I think Puck would be my go-to at at forty to one. All right, Puck, Oakland Athletics. That's P-U-K for those who don't know how you spell Puck. Uh, forty to one uh, for the A's. Nate Pearson, eighteen to one for the Jays on that list. Jesus Lazardo also with the A's, ten to one. Lou Bob, Luis Robert, uh, seven to one uh, with the White Sox. Casey Mize not mentioned there, four to one. But Michael Kopic from the White Sox, three to one is the short shot. So Puck at forty to one. The sexiest of that. And by the way, we don't we don't necessarily care in this market if they come up in May. That might even be a sneaky way of playing it. Jordan Alvarez being a uh, mm-hmm. example of such a thing. Let's go to the National League. Talking to Paul Spore, you can follow him on Twitter at S P O R E R. These available at the Westgate. Nice job from them uh, putting these up. National League Rookie of the Year. Same sort of exercise. Sent those to you uh, in advance. Where are you going this way? Gavin Lux. No surprise here. The short shot at four to one. Yeah, the obvious shorty there at four to one, uh, with with good reason, good player, and I do like him. But again, if I'm ever getting into in, into something like this with the uh, rookie of the year, I'm going to go a little bit longer, try to hit something a little bit bigger. Um, I like Mitch Keller at twelve to one. He's interesting. You know, if you go look at his surface numbers last year, you're gonna be like, this guy was terrible. What are you talking about, Paul? But you got to dig a little deeper. 
You look at his uh, his core skills from 48 innings. He had a 7.13 ERA, but a 3.19 FIP. Those two numbers disagree big time about how he performed. It was this crazy thing. First off, 48 innings is always just a tiny sample that you would never want to give too much credence to one way or the other. But he had this thing Keller did where he had five starts of five plus earned runs. And then the rest of his starts were two or fewer. So he was either great or terrible, really nothing in between. It was, it was really kind of bizarre, but I like, I like Keller. I think he's pretty good. He's, he's there with Pittsburgh. They're not a great ball club, but they should, they should turn him loose this year. Give us some good innings. 12 to one. Isn't too bad. I like Mitch Keller there. Um, as far as the longer shots, a lot of them don't really stand out. Of course you mentioned, you know, Jordan Alvarez, that's how rookie of the year works though. You've got to kind of put your mind on some things that, that don't necessarily jump out right away. And, and that's how you're going to hit big because Alvarez was not the guy who was supposed to come up. It was Cal Tucker, you know, and he never even made it up until like September. Yeah. Despite dominating at triple A. Uh, Jeff and Paul will uh, throw this out to the audience as well from 2010 to 2019 in sports. So the decade past, Who's the person that scored the most points in the NBA? Who's the person that threw the most touchdown passes in the NFL? And who's the person who hit the most home runs in Major League Baseball? The decade, 2010 to 2019. Jeff, any thoughts on the, on the most points in the NBA? Yes, but I'll hold them for now. I'll hold all my answers until okay. the next second we're to, give get, every, to give everyone. We're going to get to the MLB so, homers momentarily. Yeah. Which, by the way, of the three is probably the hardest one to answer, and it's the only one I got right. It's the only one you got right? Yes, which is just so, that, yes. so by the fact that you're saying that that's the only one you got right, that means my first first thought on the NBA is probably incorrect. That just means that I didn't get the obvious ones in basketball. Maybe they're not so obvious in basketball and football, but I was able to get the obscure one in baseball. Anyway, let's do these props because we'll get to the home run one at the end. Uh, we bring back Paul Spore from Fangraphs, who I'm sure has a guess on these too. Uh, but let's talk about where do we start? We do wins in uh, wins in uh, Major League Baseball pitching this year. So we did last week with Paulie. We did um, who gets Cy Youngs. It's a little different calculus to come up with the most wins in Major League Baseball. But Garrett Cole of the New York Yankees. Oh, say that sentence a few times. Seven to one is the short shot. Everybody else is in double digits with Walker Bueller of the Dodgers and Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals being the next shortest at 14 to one. Who you got here, Paulie? Did we lose Paul Spore? Hello? Hey, there we go. Are you there? Got your back. Who you got here, Paul? Most hey, pitching so- wins. Yeah, I lost you for a second there. Uh, yeah, pitching wins, of course, is really difficult uh, to assess, and so you knew you knew that Cole and, and and Berlander and guys like that would be up. Again, I'm really going to want to jump out and try to do something a little bit different if I'm going to go with this one, and I'm not even going to go with the two-time Cy Young, but I'm going to go with his teammate Noah Syndergaard at eighty to one. Ooh, and I know the Mets—they're not much for supporting their guys, as as mentioned with the Grom, but. Um, I love Syndergaard. I, you know, I kind of have a, a a weakness for him. He's really, really good, and uh, I think he's going to have some improvements this year. I think that's a quality team that they've got. In fact, a lot of the projection systems like them. Although I will say, the projection systems can't accurately uh, put in the the that little bit of Mets factor. You know how the Mets they say the Mets are going to Mets. That's hard to that's hard to bake into a system where they you know kind of generally shoot themselves in the feet and things like that. But uh, there is a lot of talent in New York with the Mets. So I'm going to go with, with Syndergaard there for one of them. And then um, another one I like, you know, I wish his odds were a little bit longer because I am thinking that Corey Kluber could have a real big bounce back here in Texas. He's 30 to one. That's still pretty good. But I'm surprised that that someone like Syndergaard is so much longer than somebody like Kluber. I guess this market is acknowledging that, hey, Kluber is you know, a two-time Cy Young. He's coming off of a bad season, but uh, he's still, you know, going to be a good pitcher. I think that Texas team could support him pretty well, at least offensively. I'm more, I'd be worried. And if I was going to make a bet like this, you want to have both the offense and the bullpen piece locked in. In fact, I might want the bullpen piece even more locked in if I'm going to make a wins bet than the offense, just because uh, there's nothing worse than than turning it over to the bullpen and watching them blow a couple of wins, but Kluber is 30 to one. 
you know, 18, 18 and 20 wins the three years before this past season where he only went two and three in seven starts, had a disastrous season, got hurt, got hit by the uh, batted ball that broke his arm. Then I think he had a strained oblique while he was returning and never came back. That Texas team has started to cultivate some interesting pitching. I wonder if we could, uh, if I could make this bet and then ask that the Rangers please use Jeff Mathis with Corey Kluber, <laughs> the uh, the framing god, and that way I can get some extra strikes and make sure that I'm getting the best Kluber that I can get there. But yeah, I'll go Kluber and Kluber uh, uh, and Thor as some as some of the longer shots. All right, Paul Sporer, who was Corey Kluber before Corey Kluber was cool, he called it well in advance back in the day. Uh, Kluber 30 to one also have to uh, consider ballparks, of course, but yes, bullpens, huge consideration in the most pitching wins market and Thor Noah Syndergaard at 80 to one, perhaps the, uh, the number one pick there value wise for Pauly. Uh, Speaking of Garrett Cole, who was seven to one here and was the short shot in that category, uh, the Westgate did put up a few Garrett Cole specific props. And I was curious if you had any thoughts on these total strikeouts, total wins to throw a no hitter strikeouts. The over under was 280 and a half, 280 and a half with the under juiced. I'll go over, over plus 110, over 280 and a half for uh, Paulie there. Total wins 17 and a half. Um, Boy, I'd probably tough. go. Uh, yeah, it's really tough. I'd probably go under, but I'd be so. I, I wouldn't put in anything on that. I'd have a hard, that's a really strong number there. 17 feels about right. All right. And any thoughts on either of these or any of these three to throw a no hitters, 20 to one to have a 15 plus strikeout game minus one thirty five to have a 20 plus strikeout game. They're only giving you 20 to one. That's come on. Uh, but the 15 plus wow. strikeout. Yeah. The 15 plus strikeout game minus one thirty five. That's interesting. I might take that. I take that all day. Yeah, I would. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Those are courtesy of FanDuel, by the way, the Garrett Cole ones. Um, Okay. And uh, the Yankees specifically, since we'll just riff off this, 117 wins, which obviously would be the the benchmark uh, of modern Mm -hmm. baseball history. Uh, Yankees over under 117 wins. Yes, plus 900. The no minus 1,600. You know... I think they got to give you better than nine to one to take uh, that. I would agree. You know, I would agree. They're a good ball club for sure. I'd be more inclined to put the money on the Dodgers. You know, what, what, what can I get as far as the Dodgers if I was going to do something like that, but there's no way you're going to get me at nine to one on something so lofty like that. No chance. So, I mean, I would take the no if I'm going to do it with the Yankees. But, I, and again, I'm just not I'm just not putting any units on something like yeah. that. that was, and that's great advice because that Yankees 117-plus uh, wins prop, the yes being 9-1, to one, and that Garrett Cole no-hitter with it only being 20-1, to one, that's just not the bang for your buck that you're looking for on these bets. Not good yep. bets. All right, so then we get to uh, harken back to my trivia question, Paulie. We're talking to Paul Spore from Fangraphs at Spore. On Twitter, S P O R E R, most regular season home runs. We'll get to the trivia question after this. But Mike Trout and Pete Alonzo, last year's home run king, both at 10 to 1. Then it's Stanton and Gallo. Of course, Gallo contractually obligated to be a short shot in this market. They're at 12 to 1. Mm-hmm. This is courtesy of FanDuel. Aaron Judge, 13 to 1. And Cody Bellinger and Nolan Arenado. Bellinger, who let us down, those of us with tickets last year on this so badly. They're at 16 to 1. Um, who do you like? Who's off the board? Alvarez, by the way, 25 to one, my eyes drift to him. 25 to one on Alvarez. That is pretty interesting. Yeah. Again, uh, just to reiterate for those that uh, maybe didn't hear me earlier on something like this, I'm rarely going to go with the favorites. I acknowledge that they're there for a reason. Um, and, and these are, you know, obvious favorites, but I'm going to go a little bit further off the board on something like that. I'm probably going to look at, you said that your Alvarez is your guy that you're looking at Matty O, Matt Olson, 22 to one. Um, absolutely love Matt Olson. I think he's a excellent hitter and he's really started to, uh, you know, from day one, he's really shown himself to be quite good. Remember last year he had the injury in Japan with the hamate bone. And we've always had this idea that like, Oh, well, hamate surgery, there goes your power for the year yet it was, it was a little bit uncertain how legit that was. It was just kind of an assumed thing. He comes back and pops 36 homers in 127 games. And then it sparked some people to do some more research and realize it's really more of a coin toss. How much that hamate surgery, if you're in season power, if you come back from it. So he, he didn't show any sort of uh, ill, ill 
you know, troubles there with uh, Matt Olson hitting 36. So if he can hit 36 and 127, he can lead the league. He can 45 plus homers. Give me Matt Olson at 22 to one there. That's that's my guy for sure. I'll give him to you at 25 to one. That's what it even says right there. 25 to one on Matt Olson. Uh, oh, you, even better. Yeah. Sorry, I was looking at the uh, I, yeah, I was looking at the app. So I, I guess they didn't update it because I'll take oh, twenty five for sure. No, maybe twenty two to one is updated. Maybe I didn't look at it. If you're looking at it right now, twenty two to one would be the number. Then maybe these are uh, a little bit outdated here on the screen. So uh, by the way, let me just say this on regular season home runs on on the NL MVP, which we discussed last last week. The best player mm-hmm. we would watch baseball and sports books every night. Obviously, last week here in Vegas. Ronald Acuna Jr. was the best player more nights than anybody in the league last year. And I just wonder if I shouldn't take flyers on him in all kinds of categories. Because that's the one guy I don't think we've given quite enough juice to. Because he that's a guy who could just at a you know very easily pop off on all of these categories. So maybe he's an MVP shot for me. On ten to one on yeah. Homers. I mean, you know, if you can get anything going with like a forty forty, maybe taking something like that. It depending depending what kind of number they gave you on that. But uh, yeah, Ronald Acuna Jr. is so good. It's unbelievable. He's going to be just twenty two next year. I don't blame you. Anything that you can get down, at least have a little something tied to his excellence. You know, an MVP bet is perfectly tied to excellence, even more so than a home run bet because. He's got such a diverse skill set yep. that I might be more inclined to take a, a an MVP bet there. All right, real quick then in wrapping up, because we started with a trivia question. 2010 to 2019, the decade that was, Jeff and Paul, uh, basketball, who scored the most points? Jeff, guess. My first guess, guess was LeBron James. That was my first guess, too. That is incorrect. That's why once you said it, I yes. knew it was wrong. Paulie, what would have been your guess? Your guess, rather. I mean, I w- it would have been LeBron, so then that's wrong. I mean, yep. Did Dirk play enough of the of the decade to be the guy? James Harden is the answer. James Harden, most Harden, points in the decade. Okay. Uh, football, most touchdown passes. Jeff, your guess would be. My guess was uh, my guess was going to be Brady, but I have a feeling that's wrong. Too. Incorrect. Yeah. Uh, Paul, your guess. Uh, Rogers. Drew Brees is your answer. So all three of us got those wrong. This one, somehow I got right. Most home runs. This is where I was going with this. Most home runs, 2010 to 2019. Jeff. No chance for me. <laughs> Paul. I'm, I'm torn between two guys. I'm torn between Nelson Cruz and Edwin Encarnacion. Dude, and Paul, those were, those were exactly the two guys that I whittled it down to, too. That is why I love you. And the answer is Nelson Cruz. 30, yes. yes, well done. 35 to 1, by the way, this year to win the home run crown. Thank you, Paulie. Appreciate it as always. Thanks, Gil. Take care. You too, Paul Spore from Fed Grabs. Nelson Cruz. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. At- 